Welcome to Learners and Leaders, the education podcast where all things literacy, learning, and growth are discussed. Here are your hosts, Huda Harajli and Jennifer Kibbe. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Learners and Leaders, the education podcast. I'm Huda, and I am joined by my amazing friend, Jen. Hey, Jen. Good morning. I'm so glad to be back with you on this cold but sunny day. Yes, it's been a minute since we've actually been able to connect. And isn't that like just the theme for this whole school year? Just everything piling up and getting really busy. But I trust that you're well and your loved ones are well as well. We are. We're plugging ahead. Happy to hear that. So Jen and I wanted to talk about writing today and more specifically what to do about writing. Many educators, parents, and students can come to agreement and say writing is frustrating and writing is challenging. Jen and I are using our experiences as teachers, as interventionists, as ESL teachers to really share with our listeners today three solid strategies that can help our young writers and our older writers as well. Jen, quick question. Do you like teaching writing? You know, it's interesting you should ask that. I went through moments early in my career where I found writing to be scary. Um, And then through my days in reading recovery, that was a part of the lesson that I enjoyed having um, circled kind of outside of it during the pandemic. And I'm back to having my students get their journal out every day when we're together. And when I was preparing for this today, I was thinking about their reaction when I say, grab your journal. And they are really pulling me along with their excitement. Um, so so I'm, I'm anxious to talk about this from, from two lenses. One being I've been reviewing some college essays um, this fall and, and through the winter and what I'm seeing, and it scares me. And also from our littles and attitudes around writing. So I'm, I'm excited to dig in. Awesome. It's so funny that you brought up college essays because it's a theme, right? Parents, K-12 educators, even college professors will complain about students not wanting to write And on the other hand, if you look at 2019 ACT data, that was the last big assessment we had before the pandemic, 40% of students did not score well on writing. So these are students who are entering college, and we would expect them to be experts at writing at this point, did not score well on the ACT writing component. And I'd be interested to see, John, what our ACT SAT data looks like this year, because we've had very inconsistent data since the pandemic started. Agreed. Um, You know, honestly, as we start to be reflective about practice, even at the earliest elementary level and watching letter formation and how we give verbal pathways, we've been out of it for so long that I'm seeing lots of that now the the grip, the 
way that letters are formed because there hasn't been that sort of direct instruction in the classroom where we're sitting side by side with our students. So I have found that that has needed a lot as we get started, not to mention with our older students' conventions. They're writing more and more like the way they talk and text. Yes. And we know when even we think about our brains, our brains are hardwired for speaking, for oral language. They are not wired for reading and writing. They're just not natural processes. So very often my mom friends will text me and say, oh, my child got a C or a D in writing. And why is it? And it's like, oh my goodness, writing is probably the most complex task the human brain can do. And it's, you're right, it's both um, a mental process and it's also physical with holding your pencil and holding your grip and maintaining that grip and writing for a long time. And I know right before I exited the classroom into my new role, writing was a battle in fourth grade. And it was a battle because students at that age started getting their phones and started getting texting. And this is what I will say. Pencil grip is important. And I know Jen is looking at me right now. But if you have a student who is genuinely unable to hold that pencil, this is where technology can come in. This is where people are so quick to blame technology but it can actually be used to support writers as well who are struggling with things like pencil grip if there's a disability. Um, I've had students who speak into Google Docs and their writing gets done. So there's the actual act of writing and then there's the process too. And I do wonder, Jen, do we put up too many rules and barriers that are stopping our students from wanting to write? So that was on my mind too in reflecting. Am I choosing the topic? Am I kind of navigating what writing should look like? They turn and appeal to us often in writing and say, what do you want me to put? No, I want your thoughts. How are you thinking about it? Just before we headed into this weekend, one of the things that I worked on with some third graders was did they or did they not think we should squish the ant? I know ah. this is a story that you know. And the one little girl, you know, wanted to go into, we have to take care of the whole family and did not want to be swayed by her partner who said, it's going to get in your food, squish it. <laughs> So I was pleased that they each held their ground, but they still wanted me to put together the words, the phrases, and sentences. And I wasn't, I was as stubborn as they were. And I sat back and said, not my work. I will help you stretch and hear sounds. I will help you with your conventions once you have it down. I am not putting thought on paper. And I don't think that's an approach that they're used to. I think there's a lot of copying that that goes on or, um, you know, the, the shared pen experience. Um, it's hard to step out of it. It is. Oh, certainly. And I also think um, 
just a staring at a big blank white piece of paper can really be daunting. It can be stressful. I know when I'm typing a document for work, getting <laughs> the first few words, just getting started is the hardest part. And I think for our students, it's just overwhelming because even at the youngest age, we're asking for five paragraphs. We're asking for indentation. We are asking for correct spelling as much as possible. We are sharing models in class of perfect writing that is at the last step of the writing process. And you have a little baby who still is navigating, stretching out their sounds, getting their ideas, getting organization. And I think this is where teachers, particularly educators, the people who are highly trained to give writing instruction can really set great goals with students. So if my student, Emily, which is the name of my three-year-old, is struggling with really all components of writing, we need to really target one area. Is it getting thoughts down? Is it brainstorming? Is it drawing a picture that tells a story and then I'm going to scribe your words for you until you feel confident? But saying a student is a poor writer, I think students know that. I think our students are a lot smarter than we give them credit for. So if they know they struggle in writing, they're going to be taking multiple bathroom breaks during writing time. They're going to lose their pencil (laughs) and look for it for the whole 45 minute block. They're going to show us that they don't feel confident in the process. And then as educators, we need to make a decision about how we're going to approach this. Sure. And I think hearing, you know, the 45-minute writing block, we as teachers need to be as cognizant about building that stamina as we are with having them go out to do their sustained reading So build that stamina with the first three minutes, the next five minutes. Um, You spoke to story, which I get very excited about because I pop in at times into our kindergarten during writing time and labeling the picture and hearing that first sound. It does come with instruction. You know, you have to talk about what letter do you hear at the beginning of that word. Um, Let them get their picture down that tells the story and springboard off of some labeling and just a couple of of words. And that doesn't come overnight. (laughs) And many, many times we need to use story to facilitate the writing and talk about what the author is doing in that mentor text. So using a good mentor text as well. Um, yeah. Certainly. And when we also think about interest, research has shown that if children choose their task, they are much more likely to complete it. We know for reading, if they select or read aloud, they're 80 to 85% more likely to complete that text. And I think the numbers are very similar for writing. And I wonder, so if we go back a couple of decades, probably before I was alive, in the 1980s, there was a pattern in the United States that really wanted to structure writing in classrooms. And this is when we first got the five paragraph essay, intro, three body paragraphs, and a conclusion. And during this time, we started seeing writing scores start to kind of fall off because it was structuring a very creative process. And I will say, we shouldn't just let students do whatever they want whenever they want when it comes to writing. That would not be a kind act. But 
giving students that freedom to see themselves as writers, to select what they want to write about as much as possible, to make things authentic and meaningful to them, I think they'll be more likely to engage in the writing process, and then we can kind of see patterns. Um, But as a teacher, we also have to admit their standardized assessments. There is MSTEP, there is NAEP, there is every acronym out there. So how do we balance the creative writing process with the standards and benchmarks that we are asked to meet every year? And I think it comes in direct instruction. You you can offer free writing time, you can offer journaling time, and then you have to say, okay, and now these are the conventions that you're going to use to get that first job. Um, you can say that in your journal, and I want you to say it in your journal. And I'm excited to see, you know, to see you be creative and reflective. But now we have conventions that will help you to get a job, to get into the school of your choice. And, and that's really what it's about is it is our responsibility to work with our students to help them realize their dreams and to know what those dreams are. Um, so that's kind of what I've found as I start to review the essays for higher education is have they had the preparation that they needed because we're not out here to write it. Um, oh, yeah. you, know, you and I will not be there to hold their hand once they get in. So matching the proper school with the student, it's, it's one thing to have scores that might get us there, but helping them to realize that what is on paper is your first introduction to anyone. You know, you and I know it in the workforce that it is our written word that will or will not capture the people reviewing it. Um, It is the same thing for these young people that are trying to catch the eye of the reader for universities and colleges. It's very important. That's such an important distinction to make because we're thinking about the end game. And I know when you're in your classroom or even if you're a parent and you're right in this moment, sometimes it's hard to step back and see the end game. But our goal is just to have confident writers, not perfect writers. No one is perfect. But if we give students, children, a toolbox of writing strategies so that when we are not around, they are able to access, I think that is an act of equity. I think that is an act of educational excellence. And I think it begins in schools. I wanted to quickly talk to you a little bit about the pressure parents put on themselves with writing. And I think that comes down to parents trying to duplicate the classroom writing environment at home. Um, I have a three-year-old, so all my friends seem to have kids who are in that age range, three, four, and five. And I'm noticing a lot of them are asking their children to hold a pencil, a number two pencil, and make letters. And I always will say that's not developmentally appropriate. The reason they can't do it is because developmentally, they're not ready. Please give them a crayon like one of the jumbo crayons, and let them have at it. So I think for parents, writing is concerning because as parents, we think about our school experiences. 
Was I a good writer in school? Did I like writing in school? Did I have a not so good writing experience? And then we try to prevent that with our children. And sometimes we get in the way of natural development. So I think as parents, Jen, and you can speak to this because you did such a phenomenal job with your boys. What are some writing activities that can be done at home that are less academic in nature, but can still support our student? Sure. So what I'm not seeing happen um, as they head in, I really, really want to strengthen the hand muscles. I wish that we would safely hand scissors to all of our children, play. I know many, many moms don't care for Play-Doh, but clay is less messy. Kneading dough getting those hand muscles ready for the activity. I'm here to tell you, I have students that I don't think they've had crayons. I don't think they've squeezed the glue. Um, All of these modalities that strengthen that muscle between the thumb and pincer pointer finger, it's not in place. So, What I would say is get them busy doing those activities, even put brown paper down or newspaper down and give them a space at a table so they're sitting upright, they've got crayons, they're building that upright hand muscle, um, get them going and and let them scribble big circles, small circles, but cutting also. Yes. And, I, you know, my little one always asks for the kitchen scissors. So maybe you're onto something, but those will not be the ones I hand to her. One of the things that I also loved as an early childhood educator was making lists at home and having your child make a grocery list with you, watching you write down the items that you need, making a to-do list, writing down observations, going on a walk outside and coming home and drawing and writing about it. These really authentic embedded writing activities. So parents, educators, caregivers, we don't need to just run and print worksheets off the internet. We don't need to do things of that sort. We can do some really authentic things like that. I have a friend who journals and her child watches her journal and Now, little one has a journal as well. So there's a lot of natural embedded opportunities for writing at home as well. So we talked about strengthening hand muscles using Play-Doh and crayons, authentic writing activities at home that are low stress because we know parents have a lot on their minds as well. What would be a third tip or strategy that can help our writers, Jen? Oh, goodness. You know, I was going to piggyback your thinking before I get into that to building a desk space. So many of us are working from home. And how fun is it to have our pens, our paper, our post-its and give them the freebie post-its that we, you know, pick up off of the insurance table or (laughs) doctor's office or the one that you get in the mail. Yes. Take all the extra tabs and do something to set up a desk. I loved playing school and apparently it never, you know, it didn't end. Um, Get them involved with, you know, bright colored markers that might be thicker and fatter, washable. (laughs) Yes, I think everything is washable now because my little one, 
like colored herself with the expo marker the other day and it got off. So I really shout out to the companies that are producing school supplies for making most things washable because it was, it was an interesting ordeal. Oh, that reminds me, a whiteboard and marker. Dollar Tree, go to the dollar store, get a whiteboard, get a marker. Does not need to be an expensive thing. It's just giving them a variety of tools so that they can explore and really get, you know, writing utensils in their hands so that when they are approached with these tasks in school settings, they have that confidence that I am a writer. Sure. Labeling. I I know we've talked about before having labels around the house and letting them look at the labels and copy what the label says. Um, whether it's labeling, you know, the light goes on and off. They don't have to get the letters in place. It's the visual of seeing them and understanding that those letters are used to make words. I'm a broken record at school looking at our alphabet linking chart and saying, does everyone understand that we're now using the linking chart? We have our letters and sounds in place we're going to use those to make words. So understanding the difference between a letter and a word, and then from there, how we use words to put them together to make the sentence. So baby steps. And then what we've said all along, going back to talking to our children, to our students, using vocabulary that they can then use um, and saying, we're going to try out this new word. Find a way to use this vocabulary today in your speaking or writing. Certainly. And some people will say, well, spelling is an outdated task because there's spell check. And it's true. There is a tool now that helps us with our spelling. But we also just don't care about the production of the word, but the meaning that students are selecting a wide variety of their words. Like, fantastic. I use spell check in all my emails. Um, have you ever composed something, Jen? And you're like, I don't think that looks right. Let me right click and see. <laughs> so it's an amazing tool. It lets me move along faster in the writing process than stopping and getting stuck. So yeah. I will say this about technology. Technology is not the reason our students are not achieving as writers. Technology is a tool that can actually advance writers and make it more accessible for students who before couldn't do paper pencil. The reason we're seeing a drop in writing test scores is due to many factors, even pre-pandemic, including us trying to regulate a creative process, not targeting instruction in schools, just think, okay, we're all going to get the same writing lesson, same supports, and that does not work. And then also not giving students voice in their writing. And technology is not one of those reasons. If we pull up articles from 100 years ago, people were complaining about the typewriter, saying that it was distracting society. Um, so there's always going to be something that's a scapegoat. And we need to, as professionals, as caregivers, step back and look at the bigger picture and the environments we're creating. Jen, as we wrap up, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with? I think we have covered a lot today in our 23 minutes together. I think the idea that we just need to pick up a pen or grab that computer and get started. 
certainly getting started, having patience and grace, knowing that our littlest ones missed out on some very critical instruction. And we don't say, oh yeah, they just, yep, that's it. They're just doomed to have poor handwriting. We can intervene, but also knowing that these are sometimes challenges that present themselves in classrooms and at homes. If you have a writing strategy or something that works for you, either at home or at school, Jen and I would love to share it with our listeners. You can leave a comment on any posts on social media that have this topic or on our podcast on Instagram and Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and we cannot wait to talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Learners and Leaders, the education podcast where all things literacy, learning, and growth are discussed. If you like what you heard today, let Huda and Jennifer know by subscribing and leaving a comment and we will see you again next time.